All right, so if you need a Bible, raise your hand. So we're going to be in a few, uh, at the beginning of Acts today. So raise your hand if you need a Bible. We do this for a variety of reasons. One is if you don't own a Bible, you get to keep this. If you do own a Bible, you can just set on the side on your way out. But also we do this because some of you don't bring your Bibles and some of you don't have your Bibles on your phones. And so this is so you know the words I'm reading, the words I'm speaking about are actually in the Bible and not just my twist on the Bible or something like that. And so that's why we like to hand these out. And so another, so we are starting this series of Acts, okay. And, and if you're not familiar with us here at Redemption, we like to go through books of the Bible, and, and we, we do that because there's this idea called the whole counsel of God. And it's this idea that, that we could sometimes, when we don't preach books of the Bible, miss the whole counsel of God. We'll miss certain topics. And so, like, if I was just preaching every week and I was just preaching series that I wanted to do, it'd probably be, like, grace evangelism, grace evangelism over and over again because those are some of my favorite topics. And then if Vince was preaching every week, it'd probably just be, like, the mark of the beast every week. And so... And so this is why we preach through books of the Bible, because we want to get into the whole counsel of God, see what God's speaking for us. And so we're going to be in Acts this year, the book of Acts, and it's going to be 38 weeks in the book of Acts, which is 29 chapters. And if you're not familiar with Acts, it's, it's a narrative account of the early church, okay? But before... Before we get into that, I want you guys to imagine something with me. Vince usually has you close your eyes, but then I watch, and you guys all keep your eyes open anyway. So just imagine with me, all right? Just imagine with me that you are living in the, in, in the 60s, okay? And I want you to imagine that you're living in that time period, and you meet Martin Luther King Jr., and you begin to work with Martin Luther King Jr., and you begin, you're, you're with him from the start. You see some of the sermons he gives at churches early on. And then you see him start to do these, these sit-ins and these marches and these speeches. And in fact, you're even there. You're, you're so close to him that you're on stage with him as he gives the famous, I have a dream speech. And you're there, you're watching it. And as time goes on, you just hear about all this change. He's slowly but surely helping to happen. And you're getting to be a part of that. You're getting to plan with him. You're getting to think through these things. And, and, and you're with him all the time. You see him when he's in prison. And, and, and sadly enough, as you're with him on his last day of life, as he's assassinated, as he's shot and killed at that hotel. And then he dies. And you're his friend, and you're at his funeral, and you watch him buried, and you hear eulogies, and you can't help but weep, and you can't help but feel hopeless and say, where is the civil rights movement going to go from here? What are we going to do? And then imagine that Martin Luther King Jr. comes back to life a few days later. Right? Imagine he comes back to life, right? You and all your friends would be going, whoa! Like, we should listen to this guy, right? And, and, and some of you might figure out what I'm doing here. But this is how Acts starts, right? The disciples were with Jesus. They got to see his early sermons. They got to see all these things that he did, all these things that they said. They got to see these miraculous works of his hands. And unfortunately, they got to see him die. And they helped bury him. And they saw the tomb and they saw the rock. And, but then three days later, Jesus came back to life. And the disciples are like, whoa, this is crazy. We should take more seriously what this guy said. And this is how Acts starts. It starts with Jesus back from the dead. 
It doesn't just start with a group of disciples hanging out, talking about Jesus' ideas. It starts with the disciples hanging out with Jesus. And so I'm excited for Acts. Because in Acts, we're going to get this picture of the early church. And the early church has this kind of like purity of message and spirit sometimes as you read through Acts. And you go, man, that's, that's really cool how they lived life. It's really cool how they lived mission. It's really cool how they praised God. And unfortunately, I think the reason it's so cool for us is because I think Christianity has so much baggage. Right? If we're honest, I think the, the truth of the gospel doesn't have baggage, but I think sinful people, sinful Christian leaders over the past 2,000 years have brought all this baggage to Christianity, and the world looks at us and goes, well, yeah, I know some Christians, and they did this and this and this. I know some famous Christians, and they did this and this and this. And so when, we get to, when we're going to go through Acts for this next 38 weeks, we're going to get to see Christianity without any of the baggage yet, without any of that stuff yet. And so I could give you more intro stuff, but the Acts itself does a pretty good intro. So let's just get into it. Let's get into these first few verses. And to kind of give you a picture of today is we're going to look at this first passage, and this first passage introduces Acts to us well. And then the second passage, which is verses 6 through 11, it gives us these three themes that we're going to see throughout Acts. And we're going to talk about those three themes, and we're going to hone in on one of those themes in, in particular for us today. So that's kind of where we're going. So Acts. If you don't know where Acts is, it's the first book after the gospel. So it's the fifth book in the New Testament. And so, hey, if you need to look in the front and see the page number, do it. Like, no judgment. All right? I mean, some people will judge you, but I won't. And so let's go. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Let's stop there. So in the first book, it's like, well, wait, where's the first book? We need to go back to that. And so the first book is the Gospel of Luke. Because the author of Acts is Luke. And Luke wrote both the, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And just by a little bit, words-wise, Luke has actually wrote more of the New Testament than Paul. All right? And so that's just a fun fact. And so Luke, as we know from other verses in the Bible, that Luke was a doctor. And, and Luke was this smart guy. And he's writing this guy, Theophilus, which, which is one of his good friends. And we know that he's probably not Jewish because Theophilus is not a Jewish name. And so some people try to figure out why was Luke writing Acts. And, and a lot of them think it's because Theophilus, with his Gentile heritage, was a Christian who was beginning to ask the question, hey, I'm not Jewish is Jesus really for me? And, and a lot of people think that Luke gave Acts as this answer to Theophilus to say, yes, Christianity is for the world now. And that's why he gave it to Theophilus. And so that's a little bit about Acts so far. Let's keep going. With all that Jesus began to do and teach, verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, there's a few other things in there that we're going to see that kind of introduce Acts for us. 
we see the first thing we see is Luke, he's an orderly writer, right? He references back, he summarizes back what he talked about in the first book. And, and really, you got to read Luke if you haven't read Luke before. And even if you've read Luke before, I think you should take the next couple of weeks and read through Luke. Because it really is the first book and Acts is the sequel. And so you really should go back and read that. But he's an orderly writer. He, he references how, what happened in the last book. And then he tells us what he's going to talk about in a minute. And so he, he just wants us, for lack of a better word, to track with him. He wants us to know what's going on. Okay? And so he's a very orderly, orderly writer. Another thing you'll notice is that he says about Jesus, he said, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Now, I think that word proofs shows another thing about Luke's writing is that he really cared about these proofs. He really wanted to talk to eyewitnesses of these things that happened and got the story of what happened. And Luke, he was a sometimes companion of Paul. So for the whole second half of Acts, Luke was probably there for a lot of it. And so Luke is writing these things down. He's not just writing them down, well, this is what I think happened. He's writing them down. He's going to eyewitnesses. He's asking people. He's saying, what happened here? And then he's recounting what he saw himself. And so Acts is really important for us because it actually happened. Okay? Sometimes we go through books of the Bible and I think we really say, hey, man, that's a really good message. I like it. I'm going to live my life that way. But we don't really realize that there, there is a historical proof to this book, that the things happened in it, that, the, that there is so much historical evidence to the book of Acts. And so I think the Acts is also just really going to be really relatable for us. Because I, when I read through the Bible, I go through and I, I stop in the Old Testament. And listen, I, I never seen a burning bush talk. Maybe some of you have. I haven't. I never have had to live under the 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's not very relatable for me. Then I, and I go to the Gospels and I see how they get to walk with Jesus and, and see all these miracles and stuff. Well, I never got to see Jesus physically with my eyes. But Acts is this story of these believers who live kind of the same time frame spiritually as you and I do. And so it's going to be, Acts is going to be the story of how God has invaded your world and my world. Acts is the story of how he's invaded our world by the work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. And I think, like I said earlier, is there, there is so much baggage with Christianity. There's just a lot. We, you, it's hard to not get in a uh, conversation with someone that's not a Christian and all this baggage starts coming up and it's hard to not feel defensive. And I think it's fitting that a few months ago, we as a church, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus basically saying, hey, here are the ethics of the kingdom. If you're part of my kingdom, if you're one of my citizens, if you believe in me, here is how this thing is supposed to be lived out. And Acts is people living this ethic out. It's his kingdom citizens living this ethic out. And I think if there's ever a time in the church where we need to live out this ethic, I think it's at now. It's after this 2,000 years of baggage. That the world is constantly saying to us, right, like, hey, you, your book says this, but you're doing this. Your book also says this, but you're doing this over here. And so if there's ever a time that we need the ethics of the kingdom lived out, it's now. And I think that's why 
Acts is so important for us and it's going to be so important for us. Okay, and so these next few verses, they're going to show us some of the major themes. So we're going to go through the story and then talk about those themes. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, if you've read any of the Gospels, you know that the disciples are constantly asking Jesus things like this. They're just like, God, Jesus, when are you going to fix all this? Jesus, when are you going to beat up Caesar? When are you going to make Israel its own country again? When are you going to do this? When Can I be your second in command? And they would ask all these kinds of questions. And this next verse, verse 7, is how I know Luke was recording the truth. Because it shows Jesus' response, and it's a classic Jesus response. Okay, let's look at it. So they asked the question, and he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Let's stop there. So Jesus, Jesus is them real hard, right? He just, they ask a question, he goes, I'm not going to answer that, okay? Like, deal with it, I'm Jesus, right? And, he, and Jesus did this all throughout the Gospels because I think often the disciples were asking the wrong kinds of questions. I know your teacher said there's no stupid questions, but I think to Jesus there were. And so... Jesus says, listen, it's not for you to know when this is all going to get fixed. It's not for you to know. And he continues in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so Jesus says, listen, it's not for you to know, but in the meantime, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to live in you, and you're going to be witnesses to all the world. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go out into all the world and spread the good news of my kingdom. And then something crazy happens in the next few verses. He says this in verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, so Jesus kind of says, hey, you're not going to know when the kingdom is going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come live in you guys. Flight mode, right? Like, if I was Jesus, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Like, yes, I can use superpowers now. <laughs> like, right? And then I just imagine the disciples, because he doesn't, like, it seems like he doesn't even say, like, Peace be with you. Like, he's just like flight mode. And he starts flying. I just imagine like Peter and James just hanging out. Just like, man, he's getting really high. <laughs> and James going like, I don't think he's going to come back. And Peter's like, no, he's going to come back. <laughs> right? He's gonna... And then these two guys in robes come up to him. And I always imagined it as angels. And maybe they were angels, but it doesn't explicitly say that. I always imagine them flying too. But that's just two guys in white robes. They come up and they go, hey. Men of Galilee, why are you looking up? And I just imagine Peter going, because a guy is flying. And now, now he's behind a cloud. I can't see him. You made me look away. Oh, man. Super professional here. Thank you, guys. Um, and so Jesus just flies in the sky. Peter's like, guys, what are you talking about? And at first their response, the angel's response, just sounds kind of snotty, right? They're just like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And it's, it feels kind of like they're like, duh, he's not coming back, right? But really what's going on is they're reminding the disciples of something Jesus had told them. 
Because Jesus had told them shortly before he died, he said, listen, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to hang out with you guys for a little while, and then I'm going to go away again and come back again, right? And so these guys were reminding uh, Peter and his homies about what was going on. Thank you, Curtis. Give it up to Curtis. Makes it less awkward. All right. That is a solid six minutes to sermon. Sorry, guys. Um, and so, he, these, guys, these angels or, or men, whatever they were, they were just reminding the disciples of what Jesus had already told them, that Jesus had already, in a sense, prepared them for what was about to happen. And so I think in this passage, we see a number of themes. And so I want to look at these three themes that I, I think we're going to see throughout the rest of Acts, okay? And the first theme is this. Jesus is alive. Okay, Jesus is alive. You're kind of going, duh, Anthony. But this is a huge theme of Acts because these guys didn't do the things they did unless they saw Jesus alive, right? Because they went out proclaiming the gospel and living the ethics of the kingdom and they, be, they were beat down and they were persecuted and they were mocked and they were not part of their Jewish society as they once were. So Jesus had to be alive for them to do these things. For them to say the things that they said. Jesus is alive. And it's important that we know that, that at the very least, we have to believe that the writers of the New Testament either saw Jesus alive or believed he was alive. And Jesus is alive today. Here's, here's something in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. And this is by Paul. And he says this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul, even when Paul presents the gospel, he goes, listen, 500 of us have seen Jesus alive. We saw him come back from the dead. And so as we read Acts, we have to realize that this is a story of all these people who saw Jesus alive. They saw him back from the dead. And so the people of the New Testament and Luke's believe that Jesus is alive. And so we can't casually encounter Acts. You and I can't come to Acts and just go, well, hey, there's some nice stories in there. We have to say, hey, these people, these eyewitnesses, they were either crazy, deceived, or they really saw this. Or they really saw that Jesus was alive. And so that's why throughout Acts, as we go throughout the rest of Acts, we have to realize that Jesus is alive. We can't casually encounter Acts. The second theme that we're going to see all through Acts, and we see in this passage too, is that Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit to empower the believers. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to, to create in the believers a, a way to live like Jesus. He's going to give the believers the abilities that Jesus had at times. And we're going to see, we're going to see them speak in tongues, which in Acts is mostly other languages that they didn't know, and people are following and hearing about the gospel because they hear these, Gentile, or these Jewish men speaking in languages they don't know. 
We're going to see people being healed. We're going to see some of all kinds of leaders in the church just recalling Scripture in a way that's incredible. That they just remember Scripture. And this is something Jesus said would happen too, that they would just remember and be reminded by the Holy Spirit of all the things Jesus did and taught and, and, and about the Old Testament as well. And one thing I think that, I think the coolest thing is because of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see a people so connected to God that anything could happen to them and they still feel connected or they still feel that they can rejoice. They still feel like they can go away rejoicing. There's this story that's coming up in Acts where everybody gets beat and they go away rejoicing. It's because of the presence of God in their lives that they can do this. And so we're going to see throughout Acts, time and time again, the Holy Spirit move and live through the believers. And so we have to be looking for that because I think now we can be connected to God too. I think now the Holy Spirit lives in us if you've trusted in Jesus. And so this is a major theme of Acts and we need to look for it. The third theme is this. We see it here and we see it all through the book of Acts and it's, it's God's mission. And it's God's mission to use the believers to be witnesses throughout the world of his kingdom. That, that's a huge theme throughout Acts. And I, I, I can really relate to the disciples in verse 6. When they essentially said to God, hey, why or when are you going to come and just fix everything? When are you going to wrap this thing up? Are you guys hearing that ringing as much as I am? No? Yes? All right. Oh. If I talk about it, it's like, oh, really? Um, so they're, they're, saying, they're saying, God, when are you going to come fix everything? God, when are you going to make the kingdom back to normal? And I think we ask that question about God all the time, and we say, God, what? when are you going to defeat that evil person? When are you going to take that evil ruler out of place? When are you going to help these many countries and these many peoples who are oppressed when are you going to help these children that are oppressed in different countries? God, when are you going to come? And I think we kind of get God's answer here. He says, that's not for you to know. But in the meantime, I want you to be my witnesses so the world will be saved. So in the meantime, as these bad things happen, and I think it's a much more complicated answer than that. God wants every prodigal son to return home. He wants every lost sheep to be found. And so, yes, sin abounds, but grace abounds all the more because of what Jesus did. And he wants you and I to be witnesses to what Jesus did and how he saved you and me. And so even though Jesus didn't come and tell us, hey, this is when it's going to come down, he told us that in the meantime, here are your marching orders. Live out my mission. Be witnesses. And so those are the three themes of Acts. One, that Jesus is alive. Two, that the Holy Spirit has come to empower the followers of Jesus. And then three, that the, the believers will live out God's mission in the world. And I want to look at this idea of being a witness. Because Acts is really a story of those that witnessed God and witnessed Jesus. And witness is kind of this legal term even today, and it was back then. It's a person that, that sees something, right? And today, if someone will write a paper out of everything they say, saw, sign it, 
sit in a courtroom and say, yeah, I saw that guy do that bad thing at that place. Right? And, and so witnesses are vital to getting the truth out there. Right? Even news uh, anchors are all the time pulling people on the street when they didn't have something captured and say, hey, what did you see when you were sitting here? What happened here? And they'll pull these witnesses, and there's usually really funny videos because of that. And, and witnesses are crucial to the truth being out there. For instance, my dad, he, he kind of, I don't know if he's lying to me. I want to hope he's not because it sounds cool. But he claims that one time he was in a room, and across the room was a vending machine. And he had a quarter, and he threw it at the vending machine, jokingly, and the quarter went sideways into the coin slot. And he says he looks all around the room for the, co- the coin, couldn't find it. He has, some of his friends were there, apparently, and saw I don't know these friends. And, and then he went and got soda. Now, here's the problem. I don't know any of the witnesses. And so I don't know if the truth, I don't know what happened, right? The 70s were a crazy time. I don't know what to believe about my dad. And so, and so in Acts, though, we have a mixture of witnesses, we have one set of witnesses that just see who really saw Jesus. They really witnessed him being alive. Do I sound like RoboCop to you guys? I sound like RoboCop to myself. Is that just me? Okay. This is throwing me off. So we have these two kinds of witnesses. And the first set of witnesses are the ones that actually saw Jesus. And they were the disciples who saw him. And then these 500 other people who saw Jesus as well. And then there's the second set of people And they consider themselves witnesses too because we see like in Galatians at the beginning of chapter 3 of Galatians that these people who had never seen Jesus had, should we just stop the service, I think? Is that what we should do? Okay, all right, thank you, Gary. Um, I'll keep going. Um, So we have, is this, this is working, all right. Spiritual warfare, Holy Spirit, where are you? Um. And then we have these second group of people that that feel that they have witnessed Christ by the very works of the Holy Spirit and the people, the believers, the witnesses that actually did see Jesus. And I I think that's important for us because I think we can witness Jesus today. And I want to tell another quick story. Uh, I have a daughter. She's about three years old. Her name is Amelie. And so we're always trying to talk to Amelie about Jesus, and we're trying to tell her all things. So we'll tell Jesus created everything, and she'll be like, "He made the mountains." We're like, "Yes, A plus." And then we'll say, "Man, he there's this, you know that yucky feeling of sin in your heart when you want to not share." Like Jesus came to fix that, and we need Jesus to fix that daily. And and and, I, and he loves us so much, and we tell her all these things about Jesus all the time, but she hasn't seen him. And so the a, a week or two ago, we're in my car, and. I put some worship music on, and I like to tell her, like, hey, we're going to sing this song to Jesus. She's like, oh, right on, Jesus, the mountain guy. And so this song comes on. We sing it. We belt it out together, and then it goes silent, and she just goes, was that Jesus? Because it was a male singer. And she goes, was that Jesus? And I go, no. It was David Crowder, Amelie. And, but there's something really cool about what she's doing. She's saying, can I see Jesus? Can I hear Jesus, Dad? You tell me all about Jesus. Where is this guy? Can I see him? Can I hear him? Can I know him? Because we're telling, him, telling her, yeah, you can do all those things. And I think the, the book of Acts answers that question for us. When we say, can you know Jesus? Can you see Jesus? I think the answer is yes. It just looks different 
than it does in the Gospels. And I think that Acts shows us that we can witness Christ, that we can get to know Christ. And so my question for you today is, have you witnessed Jesus? And for those of you in the room that feel like you haven't, I would ask you humbly that you would begin to ask the question, was that Jesus? Did I just experience God in some way? Do I know Jesus? Have I seen him move? Because what should happen is there should be many believers in the room, and part of our identity as believers is to be a witness to Christ. You see that theme through Acts. You see that theme through the whole Bible, that we are to be witnesses of what God has done in our life. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you're not sure if you've heard him, talk to some of the believers in the room. Because I've heard all kinds of stories of how people have witnessed Jesus. I know in my life, when I was beginning to wrestle with this idea, I was going to youth group because my parents made me. And my youth pastor, who didn't know very much about me, he came up to me and he just said, hey, man, I have a, a word from God for you. And I go, cool, I have a word for you. You're crazy, man. <laughs> like, and, but he goes, no, I'm just like, let me, let me share it with you. And he just began to share all these things that only God could know about me. Only thoughts that God could know. Only things about my heart that God could know. And in that moment, I began to witness Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then some of you in this room, I've heard stories where people have seen just crazy miracles happen. They've seen healings. Or they've seen these different kinds of things happen. And for you, that was when you witnessed Jesus. I think more of you in this room have just looked at the Bible, you've looked at the story of it, you've looked at the historical evidence of it, and you've said, hey, this is accurate. And you've witnessed Jesus through those words because the Holy Spirit coming into your life and showing you that those words are true. And I think there's a, another big group of you that you've witnessed Jesus through the ethics of the believers. Like you were not a Christian, but you had some Christian friends, and you just saw how they lived. And you saw that they looked like the Jesus that's described in the Gospels. And, and these friends of yours, you knew them a long time. You knew them before they knew Jesus too. And so there's just something in you that goes, there's something that's happened. God must have changed them because they look like Jesus. And so I think the book of Acts says, yes, you can, be, you can witness Jesus. You can see him. And I'm not going to boil it down. I'm not going to say, hey, these are the four ways to do it. This is the only way to do it. But I think you can witness Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's what Acts tells us. And so Christians in the room, don't forget that being a witness is part of your identity as a Christian. You are called to be a witness. And some of you are, are feeling dry in your faith right now. You're feeling like, man, I don't know. I, why doesn't God do the things that he used to do? And maybe you're in a dry season. I don't know. But I think f f more often than not, we have just kind of closed our eyes to what God is doing. We have not spent time thinking, God, how are you showing yourself to me? Because that story I told about my youth pastor, that's not the only way God and Jesus has revealed himself to me. It's not the only way that the Holy Spirit has moved in my life. And I think it's crucial for us as Christians to realize that we are God's witnesses because the world needs us to be his witnesses. And what's, what's awesome is 
to be his witnesses, I think the church has kind of taken advantage of them and, said, and kind of made it this thing that's like, hey, you got to do this religious act, and you just have to do it. But I, I think when you are actually witnessing to what Jesus did, it's so much more relational to, than that. It's simply just talking about what you've seen God do in your life or seen God do in others' lives. And there's this promise in Isaiah 43.10 that I want to read. And God, and God says this. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. So he says, you are my witnesses, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. So when we as Christians continually walk out this identity of being witnesses to what God has done in our lives, we get to know God more. And you're like, Anthony, how does that work? Well, talk to someone you know that's a major witness for Christ, who shares the gospel all the time. And you're going to find that they're going to have story after story of God moving in ways that are just, that could only be God. That could only be Christ. And so our God loves us so much that even when we live out his mission, it benefits us. It helps us as believers to see who he is and to know him more. So I think a lot of us in the room, we've forgotten our witness. We've forgotten that we are witnesses for Christ, that we've witnessed him in, in our life. And I think first and foremost, we need to remember that we've witnessed him. And because we've witnessed him, that means Jesus really did come to earth, the son of God. And he really did never sin. That was a bad sentence, but he never sinned. And he really did die on the cross for your and my sins. And he really did come back to life. And he really is up in heaven right now, waiting one day to come back. He's just waiting patiently for all to be saved that are going to be saved. And we've forgotten that. Because, and we need to remember that. And if we remember that, I think we can begin to live out the ethics of the kingdom far easier. But I think so often we've made Christianity too much about this, this selfish thing and we've forgotten how much God in his mercy and his love and his grace has done for you and for me. We have to remember that we are witnesses and the world needs us to be witnesses of him. So Acts is a book of people that truly witness Jesus. But it's also a book of people who truly witness Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and the believers. And so I hope that as we go through Acts, it begins to shape us and cause us to see God move more and more in our lives. To see God more in Scripture. To see God more in our everyday lives. So my question is, have you seen Jesus? If not, begin to ask, was that Jesus? Begin to pray to Jesus. Say, God, if you're real... I'd love to see you. Begin to watch the believers. And believers, have you witnessed Jesus? And I would say don't forget that about yourself. Don't forget that you have witnessed Jesus and he has moved in your life. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for this book of Acts. I thank you that I thank you that we can be witnesses of you even though we've never physically seen you, Jesus. 
I thank you that you gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to come live in our lives so that we can draw closer to you and know you more. God, as we go through this book, help us to see you at every sentence. Help us to know you at every sentence. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you work mightily in these next 38 weeks. God, I I truly believe that we can know you here and now. And that's because of what you've promised us in your word. And so God, please help us to see where you are meeting that promise in our lives. God, let us have an accurate view of, of who you are. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen.